This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is the top 10 financial tips for women over 50. We have a lot of listeners out there, and um, we consistently hear from women saying, hey, there's some specific things that I'm wondering about. So we thought we'd do a show for you, and uh, here are 10 things that we think are really important for people to know financially if they're women over 50. Mm -hmm. With me today, I have Amy McFarland. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Mary, which I am well over 50, (laughs) but I'm under 60. That's all I'm saying. Well, perfect. (laughs) I've been looking forward to this topic. Yeah, this topic is kind of interesting, and and actually, I um, put together this information because um, Amy had invited me to do a talk with her PEO group here in town, and um, the the demographics of that PEO group were mostly women over age 50. Yes. So I thought I'd put together something to speak to that, um, you know, general age group, and it turned out that it was a really popular talk and has been requested a number of times since then. Oh, that's wonderful, Mary. So... um, Um, You know, geographically, we do travel to give talks like this, but also we can do things in a webinar type setting for people. So if you have a group yourself that you'd like to have us kind of tailor make a talk to like this, then just give us a call and let us know. But anyway, for women over 50, there's there's 10 things that I think are super important for people to understand. And as you're looking forward towards the rest of your life, once you hit the big 5-0, then um, I, I want to dig into a few of these. All right. All right. So let's talk about this first. What do you need to know about your health insurance okay. once you're over 50? So Amy, you have health insurance, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. how is your health insurance set up? Um, it's... Well, um, okay. How do you mean that? How's it set up? Meaning, like, is it through your job? It's through, it's through my husband's through employer, husband's which job. is an insurance-based firm. So, <laughs> the insurance from an insurance company. Yeah. There you go. But um, it's it's very good insurance, and I have found Mary in my fifties, especially the latter half. There's a lot more um, types of, I'll say, procedures or things you need done preventative. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really helps. It's comforting to have good insurance. Good insurance, yeah. Right. And that's the way that most people are, right? Most people in their 50s, if you're working or if your spouse is working, you have your health insurance through your group medical plan. And that is, generally speaking, going to be the best way to do it. If you're in a position where you don't have a group plan available, then you can get an, uh, an individual policy to cover yourself. But it is the law that everyone have health insurance right now. And then the other thing that people start thinking about is, well, what if I want to retire before I'm Medicare age? So Medicare oh. coverage can start when you're 65. Okay. Right? That's the earliest age. So sometimes there's this gap between when people retire and go off of that group coverage and that Medicare age. And, and people wonder, well, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. Right? And okay. so that's the point in time where the individual policies or the individual coverage becomes something that you have to investigate and look into. Okay. So having some type of coverage that you are providing or your employer is providing up until age 65 is going to be the key piece of information and the key takeaway from this part of what we're talking about. And Medicare is not free either, though. No, Medicare is not free, nor is it simple. (laughs) 
Yes. And you can listen to some past shows that we've done about um, Medicare and the complexities of that. You can find them on our website at sterkfinancialservices.com or you can find them on our iTunes channel. Um, but anyway, understanding that Medicare system will be important the closer you get to age 65. Now, when people are planning for their lives and trying to figure out, you know, what they need to know on the health insurance side of things, let's talk about cost for a second. All right. Cost of health insurance is crazy. Yes. Yeah, crazy high. And even if you have a good group plan, the trend is that more and more employers are pushing the cost of health insurance to people. Yes. So you have to factor that into your retirement plans. You have to factor that into your financial cash flow. And just kind of word of warning, if you're going to be thinking about plugging that gap between your your group coverage and Medicare – Probably better figure on eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month per person yes. to get that gap plugged. Okay, it's pricey, and that's wow. today. Who knows yes. what it'll be five, right. ten years from now, or what'll be oh. going on? So that's what I think women over fifty need to be thinking about when it comes to their health insurance. Okay, all right, let's talk about Social Security. Yes. Oh, let's. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So if you're over fifty and you're thinking about Social Security, here's a couple quick tips that I think are important. Number one. Social Security can start as early as age 62. All right. Oh, but you don't want to take it oh. if you are making more than about $16,000 a year. So if you're still working and earning some money, then you're going to want to delay taking that Social Security. And the reason for that, can you guess why, Amy? Well, uh, you can't go back on it. For- <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there's kind of a penalty if you take it early and yes. you're not no and you're making too right. much money, right? <laughs> yep. This is, you know, so social security planning is pretty important. But so you can start it at 62. You don't want to take it early like that if you're making over about $16,000 a year. And that leads me right into my next topic that I want to talk about is well, what happens if I get divorced later in life? All right. All right. So from a Social Security perspective, if you get divorced later in life, here's the good news. Mm-hmm. If you were married for at least 10 years, you can claim benefits off of your ex-spouse's Social Security. As long as you don't remarry, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. Good point. As yeah, long as you don't remarry. Right. But here's the thing. It doesn't harm your ex-spouse. Okay. It doesn't take away from what they get. It can just enhance what you get. Okay. So from a financial perspective, if you divorce later in life, then you want to look into what your Social Security benefits are. Okay. So it probably raises yours. Yes. Okay. It can raise yours. Okay. Potentially. Sure. Depends on if your spouse was maybe a larger breadwinner in your family. Okay. And here's what's kind of funny (laughs) is let's say you were married multiple times for at least 10 years each. You can well, you'd have to be in your 50s. (laughs) (laughs) At least. You can pick a spouse of whose Social Security number you want to tap. So whichever spouse had the most Social Security coming to them, you can kind of play roulette with that and figure out which spouse you want to tap into for their Social Security benefit. (laughs) That is so funny. It kind of is. (laughs) Pick an X. Picturing the Shashas and the Elizabeth Taylors going, hmm. Yeah, well, their spouse is probably claimed off of them. But the other problem... Is they also then remarried so fast again. Yes, they did. By golly, those crazy ladies. 
<laughs> but all right. Another thing, if you get divorced later in life, is thinking about how you're going to have those assets carry you through retirement. So a lot of times when people are doing their financial planning, they're looking at their whole picture. And if you get divorced later in life and you only now have half of your assets, you really need to try to figure out how that changes the game plan for retirement, both from an expense side of things and from the assets that are going to help cash flow your retirement. Okay. So those are some tips for getting divorced later in life. All right. The next topic I want to talk about is what legal documents should you have in place if you are a woman who is over 50? Oh, I I can't imagine. I'm trying to think. Legal documents. Oh, how about like beneficiaries, things like that? Yeah, well, you definitely want to have your beneficiaries in line. But the legal documents that I'm talking about are more along the lines of having your will in place. Because, you know, if you don't have a will, if you're married, you kind of generally assume things will go to your spouse. Sure. But not every state works that way, especially if you have children from previous marriages. Mm -hmm. So um, if you want to decide how things roll when you pass away and you want to decide who your stuff goes to, then you need to have a will. Okay. So don't let the state that you live in <laughs> dictate how your property gets divided. Yes. You are not the <laughs> boss of me. <laughs> right. And the other two documents that I think are important to have in place are a financial power of attorney mm-hmm. and a health care power of attorney. Absolutely. The healthcare power of attorney is going to give someone the opportunity to help make health care decisions for you if you're not able to do it yourself. And the same thing with the financial power of attorney. If you're incapable of making a financial decision for yourself, then that financial power of attorney is actually going to be a document that allows them to step in and make financial decisions on your behalf. Okay. Very important. We never know what life's going to throw us. We don't. And it's kind of interesting when we think about that because you can have all the ducks in a row that you want and then something happens. Absolutely. (laughs) And those ducks being in a row are pretty important. And especially if you don't have a spouse to uh, cover your back. Right, which is a great point. We actually have a seminar coming up that's called Assisting Your Aging Parents. It's coming up on February the 28th. And we designed this seminar for people who maybe their spouse has been helping them, but now their children are going to have to step in, or maybe there is no spouse, Mm -hmm. and um, your adult children are now helping you. So if you are a person who is moving into that financial caregiver role, then this seminar is for you. We're going to talk about how to help your parents organize their finances, understand their health insurance issues, understand the social security system, um, figure out what to do with assets so that they align with how your parents' lives need to be taken care Mm -hmm. of going forward. And you also are helpful with just having the dialogue that's not always easy to have. It's not an easy dialogue to have as people age, for sure. And that'll be hosted at Holy Spirit Retirement Community, which I think will be a wonderful place to um, host this type of seminar. And you can call Sterk Financial and you can ask for me, Amy. I do the reservations on these (laughs) seminars. (laughs) Yep, or you can go right out to our website at sterkfinancialservices.com and uh, register for that seminar.
Okay, welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is the top 10 financial tips for women over 50. So we're going to dive right in with the next one. And the next tip I have for women over 50 is how do you know if your investments are actually any good? Oh, <laughs> good oh, question, right? tell, Mary. <laughs> so there are some really great ways to try to figure out whether your investments are good. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, I highly recommend um, finding a service like Morningstar to be able to comparatively rate the investments you have. And what you want to be looking for is the performance history and how it compares against other investments that are like it. You want to be looking at the quality of the holdings inside of there. So for instance, it's if it's a bond fund, you might want to be looking at the quality of the bonds themselves. There's high, medium, and low quality bonds. So that's something to pay attention to. And then you want to look at your allocation. So what I mean by that is how you have your investments broken up and allocated, which should be done according to the amount of risk you're comfortable taking. Okay, so how diversified you are? Then? Yes, okay. how diversified you are. So Amy, as you get older, would mm-hmm. you say that you get more conservative or more aggressive with your oh, investments? More conservative. Definitely yes. more conservative. Yeah. So if you're a woman over age 50, you probably have already stepped back a little bit from how much risk you're comfortable taking in your investments and making sure that your portfolio aligns from a performance and a skew standpoint like that is going to be a really good thing for you to focus on. Yes. So you can do it yourself or you can contact a financial advisor and they have tools to evaluate and analyze things. And uh, so that's a good tip for someone. It is a good tip. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about is how do you turn investments into income when you do retire? This is a topic I probably could do an entire show about. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I bet you really could. Just getting yourself, you know, unpredisposed to save. Yes, exactly. There is a giant paradigm shift that happens when people have saved money all their lives and now they're at the point where it's time to spend it. That is a massive internal shift that's very hard for people to do. Oh, yeah. So they feel like they're doing something wrong. (laughs) Like they're being naughty. They're putting their hand in the cookie jar and they're not supposed to. They're a thief. (laughs) So the thing about it is that there are good ways to turn your money into income when you retire. And there are other ways that maybe are not so effective. So there are different things you can focus on. You can look for investments that pay dividends that create an income if you don't really want to dip into your principal. You can look for um, different vehicles that pay a fixed interest rate that you can use as income. Or you can take a pool of money that you have and put it into certain investment vehicles that actually generate a check every month that is sent to you. And oftentimes it's a check that can last for your entire life, no matter how long you live. So there are different ways to do this. But here's the thing that I want to make sure that you understand is when you are focusing on turning your investments that you've built all your life into income, you want to make sure that you don't turn too much into income, you only turn the right amount into something that creates income. Okay. So you kind of have to figure it backwards. Sounds tricky. Yeah. <laughs> First, you have to figure out how much income you want. Okay. And then we can help figure out how much of your asset pool has to be devoted to creating that income. Mm-hmm. 
and then you want the rest to be liquid. Sure. You always want to have some liquidity within your yes. investments for sure. Okay. Next tip I want to talk about is what happens financially if I become widowed? Oh, that's got to be um, relevant to many people. It really is. And the mm -hmm. older that we get, the more relevant it becomes in mm -hmm. our life. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. According to Forbes, women live longer than men, but they save less for retirement. Oh. But what I take that from that statistic is, ladies, if you live longer than your men, then you are the ones who are going to end up with the money. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you may or may not be the one who's taking care of the money along the way, but you are going to be the one most likely that ends up with the money. Yeah. And that could be a adding more stress onto a stressful situation to begin with. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And a grief stricken yes. situation, yes. right? You know, if you lose someone that you love, the first thing that you're doing is is trying to heal emotionally. But the problem with that is there will be financial decisions that have to be made. Oh. So... Here's my tip for women who are over 50. If you are widowed, then there are three things I want you to hear me say. First of all, there are some very short-term things that financially need to get figured out, like how to take care of final expenses and just how to make sure you've got enough cash coming in to meet your daily bills. Then there are some kind of midterm things that you'll want to figure out, like are your beneficiaries changed? Oh, you sure. know, um, how do you need to set things up so you understand your bills, that you get organized so you don't miss things? But you do not need to make any long-term decisions for your money in the first few months of having lost your spouse. So one of the better tips I can give you is take your time and don't let anybody rush you into decisions financially that are long-term if you've recently had a big loss. Sure. Give yourself time to be more focused on the business at hand. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next tip I want to talk about is how can I leave money to kids, grandkids, or charity in the best way? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people, a lot of our listeners are very charitable-minded, charitable-oriented, and leaving money to the people you love or to charities that matter to you is important. Yeah, absolutely. And that ties right back into something we talked about earlier. You really want to try to make sure you have your will lined up okay. so that you're leaving money to your family in the right way. But you also can do that within your beneficiary designations. So you talked earlier about making sure your beneficiaries are lined up. The beneficiary designation trumps the will. So okay. you can say whatever you want to in your will, but if you have something written on a beneficiary designation, that is going to be what happens, Does not it? the will. Yeah. So if you um, want to leave money to charity, oftentimes the best kind of money to leave to them is money that hasn't had taxes paid on it yet. Oh, right. Because that is the... Um, benefit of being a, an organization that doesn't pay taxes. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm all for avoiding tax. <laughs> Go not for profit. Yeah. So um, leaving money to your family in the way you want to can best be done through beneficiary designations and wills and leaving money to charities can best be done through beneficiary designations as well, okay. especially on accounts that haven't had taxes paid yet. All right, next tip is how do you make sure you don't run out of money oh, during man. retirement? <laughs> what is All right, I'm question? pulling the car over. <laughs> yeah, like it'd be really great if we knew exactly how long we were going to live. That would make that question yeah. a lot oh, easier. Oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Mm. 
So this is a tricky one, right? And this is where aligning the money that you have with the life that you want to lead is so important. So you can make sure that you never run out of money by creating what are called fixed income streams for yourself. Okay. You know, Social Security would be considered a fixed income stream. Um, money from maybe CD interest would be considered fixed income. Pension checks are fixed income. Annuity payments are fixed income. So there's a variety of ways to do it. But what you really want to try to focus on is aligning your fixed income with your fixed bills so you know your basic needs are always taken care of. Okay. So, all right, last tip that I want to talk about is what should you be thinking about when it comes to assisted living or nursing home care? Oh, <laughs> Big topic that people start thinking about when they mm-hmm. get to being age 50 or older. Right. So everybody's situation is going to be different. I don't know what each and every listener's best options are, but I can tell you that spending time evaluating it is going to be important. And probably not too much more older than 50. (laughs) Right. You have to start thinking about the um, ability that you're going to have to remain in the home you're in from a physical standpoint. You know, Mm -hmm. if you have a multi-level house and you're going to have trouble with stairs, you have to start thinking about, Mm -hmm. well, what's the best kind of space for me to live in? best possible. Mm -hmm. Right. If you um, are single or if you're married, you have to figure out, you know, what are your spouse's needs going to be as well? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be in something where you can get some care but live independently as long as possible? Or are you going to just try to live in the house you've lived in for as long as you can and say, all right, nursing home, here I come when I can't do it any longer? (laughs) Point me to the ramp. Yeah. I can say nobody ever wants to go to the nursing home, though. So we try to set up people to stay at home as long as they possibly can. Yes. So, all right. So those are the top 10 tips that we have for women over 50. If you would like to have us come talk to your group, or if you're a woman over 50 and you'd like to have a personal conversation with one of our financial planners about your own situation and what you need to be thinking about, don't hesitate to call us or reach out at sterkfinancialservices.com. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.